everybody. I want to thank you all for joining us again for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I am your host, Coach Chelsea, and I am, I always say excited, but I'm full. If you joined us on last night, you totally understand where I'm coming from. And just to recap you, you know, in, in, in my obedience, the Lord said it's time to revive as we always do, as we introduce ourselves back to a new season, a new school year a new fiscal year, a new endeavor. And in that, I always ask, what is it that what is it that you want from us? What is the charge? And spiritual gifts was the assignment. And so then I said, God, who, who do you want me to reach out to? And it was amazing that he sent these two brothers to be obedient as they always are. We heard from Robert Knotts last night. And tonight we're gonna hear from servant leader, Dennis McNulty. He is a pastor, he is a coach. He is a husband, he is a father, he is a servant leader, and he is humble, he is ready and on fire for God. And brother, I say this all the time, and I don't want to ever miss this because we have gotten so close, but I thank you for your time. I truly do. There's not a time that I haven't asked you or Robert for anything that you all have told me no. If you couldn't do it, Chelsea, can we rearrange it to where I can do it? And I humbly appreciate you for that. So I thank you so much, brother. I'm super excited. I put a little extra, you know, icy hot on my knees because I was a little, you know, broken down from Robert. So I'm back on the money. That's the torch to you. We're not going to prolong the time. And we're going to get this conversation started tonight. Well, praise God, everybody. And to my sister, Chelsea, and to the servant leadership, coaches, Bible study family, it's good to be with you anytime. And uh, maybe tonight is apropos. I don't know. We're in the middle of a scorcher. We're in the middle of a heat wave here in Jersey. And um, it's going to make a lot of folks mad, but there is absolutely no such thing as too hot for me. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I just can't get enough of it. So I, I feel alive. I feel good. And God is good. You know, I, I'm not surprised that the feedback from uh, our brothers and sisters was let, let's put something together on spiritual gifts um, because it is so misunderstood. And my prayer is and I've been in prayer regarding our time together tonight. My prayer is that tonight we have such an understanding that we're going to go out and begin to operate as the spirit leads us. Now, notice I was very careful in not saying go out in our specific gift. In fact, if the Lord be gracious to me tonight, we're not going to focus on the individual gifts per se. We're going to try to leave with a better understanding of what God requires of me. And I can remember being a young Christian and I took all manner of, you know, spiritual gift tests and, you know, kind of give an answer. And they asked me a question about my personality and all of this stuff. And I'm not minimizing those things for those of you that may do it or have done it. But I have to tell you, Sister Chelsea, I had no more knowledge of what God was requiring of me at the end of those than I did at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the word of God. I, I said, Lord, I want to be able to effectively communicate this to your people. 
And of course, like anything else, we have to be first partakers. And so I went to the word of God. And interestingly enough, now, of course, Paul does talk about spiritual gifts in his letter to his first missive to those in Corinth. And he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now, of course, we know in today's culture to call somebody ignorant. Well, you know, these are fighting words. But but Paul wasn't looking to pick a fight as much as he was saying, look, we can no longer operate misinformed or uninformed regarding our spiritual gift. I love the late great Miles Monroe because the late great Miles Monroe says very famously that anytime purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Anytime purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. So if I don't know what God is requiring of me regarding the spiritual gift, meaning I don't know why he gave it to me. Now, again, beloved, we're not going to necessarily look to define it tonight. We're going to look to understand what it is. And in order to do that, we need the word of God to guide us. So rather than Paul's letter to those in Corinth, we're going to go to Paul's argument to those in Rome. I think the greatest argument ever recorded, frankly, uh, just so persuasive and so powerful and poignant. Romans chapter one, verse one, beginning at verse 11 and 12. Now, I should make a quick side note. It is my desire to be a teacher tonight. But if I do get excited, and I'm kind of short, so I'll give you a cue. If I do stand up, well, see, I know some of you say, oh, I thought he was standing. No, I'm not that short. Now, y'all stop. Wait a minute. I'm 5'8 and the media guy. Hold it. Uh, but wait a second. Do you know that Sister Chelsea done messed around and called this a revival? Now, I didn't. She just called me, texted me like she does, say, bro. I need you. All right. What's the assignment? When do you need me? I said, well, put a little something together two nights and said revival. Do you know, just real quick on that, for those of you that may be here. And do you know that the word revival or revived in, in any uh, uh, shape of the word doesn't appear until 45 chapters into the book of beginnings? That's kind of strange considering how much we talk about it, right? But what you'll discover real quickly in the book of Genesis, if we go to the 45th chapter, and I promise you, I'm just hitting this and we're moving because we're going to do spiritual gifts. But if you go to Genesis chapter 45, you'll, you'll see it recorded. And what's happening is Joseph makes himself known to his brethren after their father had sent them uh, to, to make this inquiry, right? And so they come back and they say to their father that Joseph is alive. But with good reason, for those that are biblically astute, Jacob didn't believe him. Well, there's precedent. He, he didn't have no reason to believe him because they lied on, on, on many occasions. But listen to what the word says, and I'll hit this and move because I think it's going to help you. And they told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive. And not only that, but he's the governor of over all of the land. I'm in Genesis 45, 26. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. Now go to the next verse, 27. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons, which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And that's the first time that we see the variation of the word revival, in this case, revived, recorded in scripture. 45 chapters into the book of beginnings, they come back and say, Daddy, Joseph is not only alive, but he is, in essence, the secretary of state. All of the grain is going through our brother's hand. Notice the wording, 
it said that Jacob's heart fainted for he believed them not. Do not get weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap, but our reaping is predicated on fainting not. In the Hebrew text, as well as the Greek text, it means to become despondent, to lose heart, to become discouraged. Now, why would we go all the way around the mulberry bush? Because that's a big part of why God gave us spiritual gifts. He gave us spiritual gifts so that we may use them and apply them for anybody that is discouraged, anybody that's leaning over, that our spiritual gift might serve to prop them back up. All right. Now, notice what it says. It says that he didn't believe them. They said, no, dad, look at all the wagons full of stuff that he sent us with. And after seeing the stuff, the Bible said that the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Now, for those of you that may have heard this, forgive me, but there's somebody on the line tonight that, yes, they've come out to learn about spiritual gifts. Yes, they've come to figure out what the warfare is all about. Yes, they've come out to figure out why their faith is under attack. Because, as I said on my Twitter this morning, faith is threatened by afflictions. And so the enemy is threatening your faith as a result of the affliction. But spiritual gifts are given that we might strengthen or stabilize or prop each other up. That's what my gift is supposed to do in your life. That's what your gift is supposed to do in mine. So that's why when we greeted each other tonight, you said something about, man, every time, ear to ear. Why? Because my faith that God gave me is propping up Sister Chelsea. Sister Chelsea's work, Coach KB's work, Coach Robbie's work, Coach Jessica's work. That When I see their work, knowing their affliction, it quickens me. This word revive is a strange word in Hebrew because it sounds more like, and I chuckle every time I teach this, it sounds more like a Saturday morning martial arts. You know, remember the Saturday morning cartoons? The word in Hebrew is haya. Haya. And it means to be revived from discouragement, from sickness, from faint-heartedness, and from weariness. So if you're here tonight and you've come out to learn more of your spiritual gift, and you're looking for something or someone to prop you up because your affliction is threatening your faith. I just came by to tell you that that's what we've come to do tonight. What we've come to do tonight, uh, bless you, man of God. What we've come to do tonight is this. We've come to revive the discouraged. We've come to revive the faint-hearted. We've come to revive the physically sick and the emotional sick as well. So with that being in mind, spiritual gifts in the setting of revival, revive from discouragement, disheartened and uh, disheartenedness, and most of all, faint-heartedness. Let's go spiritual gifts to our foundational scripture. There'll be two, Romans chapter one, verse 11 and 12, and then we're going to juxtapose that to 1 Thessalonians chapter three, verse two, because I think what Paul does here is teaches us really what the purpose, as we dive in, as we extract the text, we're going to see Let's not focus tonight so much. I, I don't want to leave tonight with the hearer saying, yep, absolutely, exhortation is my spiritual gift. Yep, uh, ministry helps. That's my spiritual gift. That's fine if you know. But I'm here to encourage those of you that know that God has called you to do something in the life of someone else, and you may not be able to identify yet what your spiritual gift is, but when you understand why God gave you the gift, Tomorrow morning, there'll be no excuse as to why you can't help somebody. And that's my goal. Here it is. Romans chapter one, beginning at verse number 11. Paul says, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you 
some spiritual gift to the end you might be established. Now, another translation says to the end that you might be uh, encouraged. Another translation says to the end that you might be strengthened. Now, if you look at this and go on to verse 12, that is that I might be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So again, in translation, that I might be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, if you look at that on the surface, it looks like what Paul is saying is, I long to see you that I might give you a gift. That's not what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is, I long to see you that I may benefit from the gift that is in you and that you might benefit from the gift that is in me. I'm not looking to give you anything. I'm looking to prop you up where you might be leaning over. And so we want to use just as a baseline definition or a couple of, of thoughts regarding spiritual gifts. When we look at the text in verse 12, it makes it quite clear that this gift is given so that you might strengthen other people. So we want to use as a definition, spiritual gifts are given to us that we might strengthen other people. And I always like to add, because the next verse tells us that we should add, he says that I might be of comfort together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So spiritual gifts are given to us that we may strengthen other people. But let's go a step further. A spiritual gift, Sister Chelsea, is an expression of faith that aims to strengthen faith in someone else. Let me say that to you. A spiritual gift is an expression of faith that aims to strengthen faith. Now, let's just take our average church, your average team, your average classroom, wherever you find yourself living out your kingdom life. Let's suppose you belong to a church that has 500 members. Let's suppose you belong to a church that has 100 members. Is it fair to say that faith is attacked by our afflictions? And as a result, spiritual gifts are given that we might strengthen one another. So if I sit in church and constantly wait to identify what my gift is, rather than looking for individuals that need to be propped up as a result of their affliction, I'm never going to be of service in the kingdom of God. But if I sit there and, and, and say to myself, well, let's see now, for example, uh, two new folks moved into the block that Audrey and I live. If you feel an overwhelming uh, desire to go over to say hello, to maybe drop off something, give them a gift card to Bed Bath & Beyond or to Tarjay or whatever you might do, you might find yourself coming back feeling better about the fact that you did something to use your gift called hospitality. You do that long enough, you might be able to define. But let's look at this now so that we don't have any misgivings as to what Paul is saying. I long to see you that I may impart into you some spiritual gift to the end that you might be established. So there is good insight into what Paul is saying. My spiritual gift isn't to make me popular. My spiritual gift isn't that I might, you know, become famous. My spiritual gift is so that others might be established as a result of it. In fact, when we study spiritual gifts, we discover overwhelmingly it becomes clear. God gave you the spiritual gift with somebody else in mind. Your gift is for me. My gift is for you. 
That's the way the kingdom works. Now, let's see if we can prove this by looking to Paul's letter to those in Thessalonica, chapter number three. Beginning at verse number two, it becomes clear that Paul sent Timothy, his son in the faith, with a very specific assignment. What was that assignment, you might ask? That he might go and strengthen the church in Thessalonica. I'm sending you there as an expression of faith that is meant to bolster the faith or strengthen the faith in someone else. Here it is. Look at the wording, uh, chapter 3, verse 2. And it says, I sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. So he's going to encourage you, but he's going to encourage you in the area of your faith. He's not looking to make you feel better per se. He's coming to tell you that my prayer for the church is that I'm coming as a minister, a servant. This is what we're talking about, servant leadership. I'm coming as a servant, as a minister of God, and I'm coming as a laborer, a fellow laborer. We're in this together. We're in this together. I'm not in this to be famous. I'm not in this to charge you ridiculous amount of money to come preach at your church. Don't get me started. We're in this together. We're going to comfort one another so that both of us at the end of it be established. We're going to be established. Now, when we talk about this idea of a spiritual gift being given that we may strengthen other people, it's important to know that we want to strengthen other people in the area of their faith. Now, why do we need to strengthen each other in the area of our faith? Because in faith, in the economy of God, it is the one component that is necessary to live a life pleasing to God. So if I'm discouraged to the point where I become faint-hearted, to where my faith is no longer valued, I'm losing the very thing in God's economy that gives, him that gives me access to him, okay? Without faith, it is impossible to please God, but he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So this thing called faith, Paul writes to those in Rome and he says, listen, there's no room for you all to boast. Each of you have been given a measure of faith. We've been given a measure of faith because you are saved by grace through faith. So when we talk about faith in the arena of what it does, excuse me, when we talk about spiritual gift, what it does, a spiritual gift is an expression of faith that aims to strengthen faith. Okay, now I don't want to rush myself, but this is the difference between a spiritual gift and a natural ability. Listen. There's some folks that can sing, man. Listen, they are gifted. Don't you tell me you don't feel something when Michael Jackson used to sing. You, you ain't, don't you try to run that on me. You, you felt it when Mike started singing. But no disrespect to the late, great Michael Jackson, there's no evidence that his gift was given to strengthen my faith. That I, I might have felt better. So, so let's not lose sight of that. What is at stake tonight is our faith. What is at stake tonight is being delivered from dead faith, vain faith, or faith that's not producing any fruit. So if we just looked around in our daily lives and said, let's see if McNulty's on to something here. What, what if Paul is right and the gift that God gave me is as a result of what God wants to do in somebody's life? I don't need to necessarily 
uh, define per se what my gift is to go find somebody that looks like they're despondent, looks like they're irritable, looks like they're restless, looks like they're discontent. And what am I going to do? I'm going to use my gift, which is my expression of faith, to strengthen their faith. Now, you might say, wait a minute, McNulty, you've gone too fast because what if they're not a believer? Well, I would say they're not a believer yet because the seed called faith has been given because it's not God's will that any perish. Now, that faith seed is probably covered up by something. It's covered up by their circumstance. It's covered up by broken dreams. It, it, it's covered up by disappointment. It, it, it's covered up by the abusive relationship. It, it's covered up by what they call church hurt. I said, baby, you'll never be hurt in church if you go to church to serve the God of the church. Now, if you go in there to connect, okay, so, so let's stay on task here, Dennis. Stay on task now. He said, I sent Timothy, our brother and servant minister of God, fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Watch this. That no man should be moved, shaken by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Now, catch this now. I'm not just coming to strengthen you in your faith. I'm coming to strengthen you in your faith so that you and I both know I'm strengthening in your faith so that you're not shaken by your afflictions. The, oh, I don't want to yell at folks, but listen, the problem I have with some church folks, not the folks that go to church with you, but some of the folks in New Jersey is this. You see them struggling and you talk about their struggle rather than doing something about it. Don't you know they're going to continue to struggle until you exercise your spiritual gift, which is your expression of faith that aims to strengthen faith? So if they're depleted in faith, it's not their fault only. It's your fault, too, because God gave you a gift for them that you absolutely categorically refuse to use. And you're gossiping about them rather than stirring up your gift to stir up their gift. This is what Timothy's saying. Timothy's saying, listen, Paul's saying, rather. I sent Timothy to strengthen you. Where are you to be strengthened? Now, we're not looking to be strengthened in our body. That might be the result of it. God wants us to prosper and our soul to prosper and be in good health. But what's really at issue here is this, that I strengthen you in your faith. I prop you up. In carpentry, there's a term called joicing together. When, when, when we... When, <laughs> We, 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 we rent our little space that we have for church and it was a firehouse. And my brother at the time's construction company was rolling. And when they came in to do uh, the rehab and to make it a house of worship, I remember when they were doing the pulpit area and my brother just kept on demanding that they reinforce it. And the, the builders were like, Joe, now, now this is, this, I'm a big guy, this is strong. And he goes, no, no, joist it together, strengthen it a little more. And in carpentry, what they do is they take a two by six and put it next to another two by six. And now it's not just trying to bear the load or the weight alone. It's got some support. See, that's what you all are in my life. Coach KB that just joined us, she's, she's, she's joist together. Now, the Bible doesn't use terms like that. The Bible tells us that we're fitly joined together. What is he doing? He's building up this spiritual house and we are fitly joined together because God don't want us bearing the weight alone. But our problem is, and my brother teased those brothers. They were like, Joe, this thing is fortified, man. I don't know what you're trying. They said, oh, you ain't never seen my brother preach. He going to get the hollering and jumping and carrying on. 
joist it together, fit it together, strengthen it. And that's what we've come to do tonight. We've come to strengthen each other because there is no doubt in my mind, as Timothy uh, instructs them here in Thessalonica, listen to me. These afflictions that we are appointed there to, these afflictions, ain't, this is normal life in the kingdom. These light afflictions are normal. They're but for a moment, beloved, but they work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So I'm not telling you to go down the street, do cartwheels every time you're afflicted, but I am telling you, number one, they're going to work for you. And number two, you don't have to bear this weight alone. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to bear the weight alone. And then Sister Celsi and your obedience, you say, no, we're going to have a revival. And what we're going to have a revival on is spiritual gifts, because Paul says, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant regarding spiritual gifts. And there's nothing worse than being ignorant about something. Again, Miles Monroe, the late Miles Monroe said, anytime purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And I'm tired of the people of God abusing one another. You might not be physically abusing them. You may be abusing them with your words. But here's what really is happening. We're abusing one another by our inactions. We're abusing one another by acting like we don't have a gift. We're abusing one another by saying, well, when I get like them, then I'll go forth in ministry. Listen to me. If you see somebody that's leaned over, melancholy, depressed, angry, irritable, go use your gift and prop them up. Go tell them, I'm here today to prop you up. Yes, there's afflictions, but these afflictions are not going to be the end of us. These afflictions are just the beginning of what God desires to do in our life. So he's saying in two places, he's saying in Romans chapter one, verse 11 and 12, first Thessalonians three and two, for those that might've just joined, those were our foundational scriptures. And he's making it quite clear that what I am doing is I am strengthening you in your affliction. I'm not going to wait for the affliction to be over. I'm going to come spot you right now. I'm going to tell you now, we're coaches. We we got young athletes in the weight room. I'm trying to get in there myself, trying to get these little scrawny arms together. But wait a minute. You, you, you got to lift a certain weight when you're by yourself. When you got a spotter, that's what the spotter is there for. I've stopped by the Servant Leadership Bible Study tonight to tell you that God wants us to spot one another. How much better would our communities be tomorrow if rather than trying to identify what the specific gift is, we said, you know what? A spiritual gift is an expression of faith that aims to strengthen faith. And I'm going to look for somebody tomorrow that God would give me an opportunity to strengthen their faith. You know, your Christian walk would take on new purpose if you woke up every day in the morning rather than worrying about your afflictions and said, you know what? I'm going to go prop somebody up today. I'm going to prop somebody up today. I'm going to, and, and we've all seen this in real time. By now, I can't even remember the player. You remember the player? It's, it's famous meme now where... The young man had, and his teammate went right over and said, no, 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 ain't, ain't no, you remember? Ain't no sulking around here. Get your head up. Oh, I feel like preaching all of a sudden. Tap your neighbor and say, get your head up. I, I, I got a gift. That <laughs> get God your head up, bro. You, you, you get your head up. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. David knew it right well. David was like, yo, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? My soul is quieted within me, cast down. What's wrong with you? And we've got to get to the point rather. And that, listen, I'm not picking on folks. They've got papers after papers where it's most, mostly like a personality review. It, it, it's a um, documentation where, you know, your strengths, your weaknesses. And at the end, they tell you what your spiritual gift or gifts is. I would tell you this. 
get busy tomorrow saying, God, give me an opportunity in this day to go out and use my expression of faith to go strengthen someone else's faith. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to find that opportunity. You're going to find that occasion. And no wonder Paul said to Timothy, look, stir up the gift that is in you, man. Because if you don't stir up the gift that is in you, that individual that's over there, that's despondent, that, that is outside of the household of faith and ain't nobody loving him or her, God's sending you into their life to do just that. So how much better would our life get? How much better would our walk get? What type of purpose would we connect ourselves to if we made up our mind that, you know what? My faith is attacked as a result of afflictions, but spiritual gifts are what God gives me to prop one another up. I like to use this example when I'm teaching at the church. And my sister, please jump in at any time. But let me say this. If, if we understand spiritual gifts as God gave Sister Chelsea a gift for Dennis, and Dennis gave, gave, God gave Dennis the gift for Chelsea. And let's suppose I was down in Florida preaching. And let's suppose there was a local car dealership uh, owner there. And he said, you know, McNulty, you, you really blessed me last night. And I want to bless you. And I want you to come over to the dealership tomorrow at 12 noon. And I go over to the dealership tomorrow at 12 noon. And he says to me, I didn't want to say nothing last night, but I've got seven luxury cars and I'm giving them all to you. Now, Chelsea, I can only drive one car. What would I look like? if I knew that there was a single mother in that congregation that took two buses to church, if I hoarded the six that I could not use and drove the one that I could, and I kept the six, well, I'll, I'll decide later what I'm gonna do. Let me say this to you very plainly so we don't lose each other. God did not give you a spiritual gift to hoard. God did not give you a spiritual gift to pimp. God did not give us a spiritual gift to sell. God gave us a spiritual gift to benefit somebody that's in need of being propped up. And oh, could you imagine if I made my way back to New Jersey and then months later, you, that dealer said, hey, Chelsea, uh, which car did McNulty give you? I said, excuse me? I gave McNulty six cars and I told him to keep one for him and his family. We would be upset with McNulty because McNulty was a hoarder over what was freely given to him. Well, why would we be so upset in the natural and you've got somebody sitting right in the church with a gift called healing and they won't use it because somebody told them that it's not appropriate that they do. They got a gift called the word of knowledge and you are the, you are halt between two opinions. You, you are baffled by a situation and they've got the answer right within them and they won't open their mouth because they're hoarding their spiritual gifts. Man, don't you know, God didn't give us the gift to hoard it. God didn't give us to sell it. God didn't give it to us that we would be popular. God didn't give it to us that we would tell people, look at us. God gave it to us so that we might strengthen as an expression of our faith, that we might strengthen the faith in somebody else. You know what I love when I sit here in this very classroom? Because I told you earlier, I'm in my own classroom tonight as a result of my kid's schedule. I love when the kids come to me. They don't even know what they're saying. And they say to me, Mr. McNulty, I got to be honest with you. I love your class for this reason. No matter how I'm feeling when I get there, I feel better when I leave. Now, listen to me. I'm not boasting in that. When that student says to me, when I leave your classroom, I feel better than I did when I arrived. That is them nothing more than testifying what Paul wrote to those in Thessalonica. 
I'm sending Timothy so that he might comfort you or encourage you concerning your faith. And you know, I teach at a Christian school. Every time these little kids come to my class, I remember 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. God sent me, like Paul sent Timothy, that I might strengthen your faith and you might leave encouraged. How much better would our relationships, interpersonal relationships be if we left encouraged? I said, man, every time I mess around with that KB on Twitter, I leave chuckling and I leave encouraged. I said, man, every time I mess around with these coaches on the servant leadership, I leave saying, God, you still got a remnant. I leave encouraged. Every time I mess around and get on somebody's live stream or last night, I was going to coach a summer league game. I said, oh, wait a minute. Coach Rob is on tonight. Let me jump right up on there. And, and him talking to my sister encouraged me. Listen, go have a pity party on somebody else's time. You ain't got no time to have a pity party if you're going to be hanging with people that are gifted to prop you up. You know, a few years ago, I'm going to close with this. I, I, I'm a Jersey guy, so what do you do in the summer? You grow Jersey tomatoes. And I put some Jersey tomatoes in the backyard, and for those who know me, I don't have no green thumbs, so I wasn't halfway expecting them Jersey tomatoes to grow. And to my surprise, despite the gentleman that was tilling the ground, they grew. They grew so good that they became top-heavy. I'm going to teach you all a little bit about worship here in just a second. They started showing so much evidence of bearing what they were supposed to be producing that they became top-heavy. I called up my brother. I said, the problem is some of them are not yet ripe. He said, you got one of two things. You could take them off the vine and ripen them on the window with the sun. He said, but they're going to lose some of their flavor. He said, or you could just put something next to them and prop them up. I chose the latter. I said, because I want these things to taste as good as they're supposed to taste. I want all of that Jersey tomato to just vibrate in my mouth. So I propped it up. Beloved, you got some situations on you right now that are heavy. You got some situations on you right now that are causing you to suffer the ill consequences of affliction. But I stopped by to tell you, if you connect with somebody that has a spiritual gift, what's going to happen is that gift is going to strengthen you in your faith. And lo and behold, they're just going to come alongside of you and prop you up. That's what we need to do. We can come back another time and talk about the specific spiritual gifts. But I would rather us leave saying, wait a minute. If I go out with the mindset being tomorrow in my work, maybe even tonight, if it's early enough where you're at, I'm going to look for an occasion to prop somebody up in their faith. You do that long enough, you'll soon discover what you're using. I remember years ago, I was announcing, listen to me, I was announcing pop, what we call in Jersey Pop Warner Pee Wee football. And I was just the announcer. And I had little kids come up to me and say, man, you ought to be a preacher. They said, you sound like a preacher. I'm just an announcing a football game, mind you. My primary gift, I know what my gift is. My primary gift is exhortation. I want people to be stirred when they leave my presence. When I'm coaching in the huddle and I call a timeout because they're beating the brakes off of us and the other team went on a run, I'm not guaranteeing that we're going to come back. I'm guaranteeing when we break that huddle, you're going to be encouraged. You are going to be encouraged because that's what my spiritual gift does. It props things up that are leaning over. 
It props things up that are leaning over. Have I got anybody in my conclusion tonight that is leaning over for one reason? I tell the saints, there's only one reason a child of God should be leaning over. That's to worship. If I'm worshiping, feel free to lean over. But if you ain't worshiping, square your head. Square back. Fix yourself and say, I will look up and live because I came to a Bible study tonight. And the servant leader that was teaching it said, listen, God gave you this gift that you might bolster and strengthen the faith in someone else. If we looked at it that way, man, I'm telling you, the church and the kingdom would be a much more productive place. You wouldn't have folks sitting by acting like they ain't got a part to play. You wouldn't have folks sitting home and acting like it's the pastor and his wife's responsibility that the ministry go forward. When you look at Paul's teaching to those in Ephesus, he points the exact opposite picture. He said, listen, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher, these gifts now concerning spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Well, before he ascended, he descended. He led captivity captives. And what did he do? He gave gifts unto men. What gifts? The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. What was the gift for? Keep reading. For the perfecting of the saints. For what? The work of the ministry. That word perfecting in Greek means, in Greek means for the maturing of the saint for the work of the ministry. I don't need immature people around me in ministry. I don't give babies keys to cars. And God don't give babies gifts to strengthen someone else. You're going to mature in this thing as a result of the gift that God gave to and, and those little girls that you coach, before long, guess what? They are mirror images of their coach because you done poured into them. You propped them up. You didn't allow them to quit. You didn't allow them to do all manner of things. You said, baby, look, you might be in the affliction now, but I've been sent by God to bolster your faith. And if we started with that again, and we go back to Romans 1 and close, we'll find out that there are six types of faith if, in fact, the spiritual gift is given that I may bolster the faith in someone else, it's important to know that we understand that there are several different types of faiths. Okay? And so when we look at this, what do we see? We see this illustrated in the following wise. We see a justifying faith. And that's the one that the enemy don't like that I grabbed a hold of. Because the scripture says that you are justified by faith. And you now have peace with God. So even in my affliction, even when my past is trying to speak to me, I remind the adversary, no, no, I've been justified by what? Faith. And sometimes I need somebody to come alongside of me and use their spiritual gift, which is what? An expression of faith that aims to strengthen my faith. And they just have to say to me, Brother Dennis, you ain't that man no more. You've been justified by faith. You've been sanctified by faith. Okay, now there is something called the gift of faith. I know a little bit about that because my primary gift is exhortation. I'm married to somebody that has the gift of faith. Now, according to Paul and Romans, all of us have a measure of faith, but it's a whole nother ball of whack when you live with somebody that has the gift of faith because she'd be seeing stuff I don't see. I say, Lord, have mercy. You got to see this thing she's up to now. We walked through this basketball. Uh, it used to be an office depot. And now we are in negotiations to make it a basketball warehouse that we call the lab. It used to be an office depot. Now imagine the size of this place. Now I go to meet the guy and I'm like, oh Lord, I'm leaning over. He said, let her faith prop you up. 
And I walked there and I met with the realtor and I'm walking around. And I'm like, Lord, if this is your will, you sure better tell me where the fish is with the coin in his mouth. Because I don't see this here. But don't forget, she has the gift of faith. By the time we got done talking to that man and her vision began to stand up and she said, over there, we're doing, can you see that? And call so-and-so and bring him and see if he can meet us around here. Exactly what her gift was supposed to do is exactly what it did. It propped me up and I no longer feel as though we couldn't. I was like, good Lord. And I promise you, this was weeks ago on my drive to drop my girls off to volleyball to have this time with you tonight. The gentleman texted me, said, hey, just wanted to let you know, we're finalizing the paperwork. You'll have it by the end of the week. Now, I don't know what God's going to do with that. I know this. My entire outlook changed when I messed around and got joiced up with, fitly framed together with somebody that had more than I had. She has the gift of faith. I have a measure of faith. She used her spiritual gift, the gift of faith, as an expression of faith that aimed to strengthen her unbelieving husband's faith. By the time we walked out of there, I was like, let's do it. I walked in like, girl, are you crazy? This is too much. Have you counted the cost? You're taking on too much. We're too old for this. Blah, blah, blah. By the time I left there, I was like, you know what? Jonathan's going to college next month. That's going to be his major. We can connect with Coach Malcolm. We can bring so-and-so on board. We can run tournaments on the weekend. We can train during the week, blah, blah, blah. All of this because I was leaning over in unbelief, but her faith propped me up. Man, listen, how much better will our interpersonal relationships get if we stop feeling drained every time we're in their company and we left with their spiritual gift being used as an expression of faith that aims to strengthen my faith. You can't wait to hang with them. Now, listen, our sister KB, she can't help but encourage people. She encourages people by accident. She's like, oh, brother Dennis, oh, Pastor Dennis, oh, Coach Dennis. By the time she gets done inboxing and tweeting me, I'm like, woo, let's go. I'm ready. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, let's run through troops. Let's leap over walls because that's what faith will do. Praise the Lord. And so, Beloved, he said, I long to see you. I long to see you. That I may impart you some spiritual gift to the end that you might be established. Now, if he left it just there, in verse 11, we would go away with the wrongful assumption that he's going to lay hands on them that they might receive a gift. Verse 12, and that in conjunction with 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 causes us to understand, no, no, that's not what he's saying at all. Look at verse 12. That is, when somebody says that is, what they're doing is they're reinforcing what they previously stated. So he previously stated, I long that you might get a spiritual gift. But he goes, that is, let me restate it, that I may be encouraged together with you, how, Paul, by the mutual faith both you and me have. So why would he say mutual faith if he was going there to give them faith? They already have faith. He said, listen, you're going to benefit from my gift. I'm going to benefit from your gift. And that's the way the kingdom ought to work. So I just stopped by on my way to glory to tell somebody tonight. Next time, we'll focus on what your spiritual gift might be. Tonight, let's just focus on where am I in the company of people that need to be propped up in their faith. They're angry. They're irritable. They're restless. They're discontent. They don't feel no joy. They don't feel no purpose. They're still suffering because they don't realize they've been justified by faith. So their pastor's still talking to them and God sat them next to you. Now the question is, what are they going to leave impacted with or by? 
If they sit next to me, they're going to feel better. Just like these little children in this class. When they say, Mr. McNulty, I'm not going to say I always love it. And it's boring at times. But every time I leave your classroom, I feel better. I said, baby, that's because God gave me a little old gift called exhortation. And if you get on there, somebody that has the gift of exhortation, you're going to be propped up. In the same way I left that building the other day when my wife was like, let's go, let's do it. Now, tonight, we need to be propped up. Why? First day of about a 10-day heat wave here in Jersey. It was like 98, 100 degrees today. Go to our Somerset location. The one man you don't want to see coming out of your building, the HVAC man. Talking about the condenser went on the rooftop. We have a three-story building. $8,000. I was like, I said, oh, Lord, prop me up. I was like, oh. I said, did he say $8,000? I'm leaning like this. I'm driving too. It wasn't no gangster lean now. I'm just, I want, you understand gangster lean. When I gangster lean, when I drive, I go to the right. I, I you know, I, when sometimes I drive my wife's night car, I'll gangster lean to the right. I'm just being honest with you. I put on some good gospel music, go get my car washed, let them do the tires real good. I go through the neighborhood. I lean a little bit. I'm just being honest with you. This wasn't no gangster lean. I was all the way to the left. I said, did he say $8,000? But I come out tonight. I stir up my gift. I see the smile on your face. I see the encouragement of God's people. And I say, Lord, I like what the, the television preacher might say. I'm not going to say his name, but he say whenever he gets a bill for the ministry that is greater than his ability to pay it, he reminds God this is God's ministry. And he say, God, you got mail. You, you got $8,000 AC bill that I can't pay, but these little children need some AC tomorrow. So, Sister Chelsea, I pray something I said tonight encouraged somebody. And I can't thank you for your friendship. I thank you for your ministry. I thank you for your love for God's people. And I thank God for you personally that on days where the affliction was attacking my faith, God used your gift to come alongside of me and prop me up. And not just you, but many that I've connected to on this platform because of your yes. Oh, during the height of that pandemic, when we was meeting all the time, listen, yes. that brother Paul, he stays in my inbox with those scriptures now. Yes, he does. Hey, you, 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 you don't have to. Now, you should read your own Bible. But if you don't read your Bible, brother Paul got you covered, man, because he is an expression <laughs> of faith yes, that is but... aimed to strengthen my faith. Brother Robert, same thing. You think I feel like working out on these little skinny arms, but I, I mess around, I log in, and he's running. Oh, so well, I better go get my work in. So I love y'all. I appreciate you all. And if there's any questions or things, connect with me on social media. I'd love to talk more about this because God doesn't want us to be ignorant. He doesn't want us to be uninformed. But at the same time, he doesn't want us to be inactive. He wants us to look for somebody. If you sit around and wait for it to be defined, you'll never use your gift. If you mess around and say, God, where are the despondent? Where are the brokenhearted? I'll say this. I do a lot of preaching in prisons. And I used to ask the Lord, I said, Lord, why do you move like that? And a lot of times we would do the early morning, 7 a.m. or 8 o'clock in Trenton State Prison, maximum security here in New Jersey. I mean, guys locked up from now to now on, but we're having straight church. Then we would leave that 8 o'clock service, go to our home church for 11 o'clock. And it's just as a valley of dry bones. And I'm like, God, what, what's the difference? He said, the difference is I've not come for those that are whole. 
I come for those that are sick and in need of a physician. Those people were bent down. They were downtrodden. And your expression of faith propped them up. That's what we need in our churches. And I pray that something of what I said tonight is stirring each of us to go do that. Thank you all so much for hearing me tonight. Brother, 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 brother. My goodness. I'm not going to prolong y'all, but y'all see now. Some of y'all heard them already, but y'all see now why me and my other brother Robert told y'all yesterday to come on back right there. I'm not going to prolong y'all. I promise you we're going to get out in just a moment. But bro, there were three things. There was more than three things. There are three things that, st that, that stood out to how God used you in this message. And y'all hang on because I want y'all to get these, okay? The first one is when you talked about being able to prop somebody up and how your students love being in your class because you make them feel better, right? I always go back to 2 Corinthians 2, 15, when it says that we are the aroma of Christ. On my dresser, bro, there is many things, but one of the things is a tray full of perfume, okay? I love fragrances. And each morning I will go up to it and I say, okay, which one we putting on today? Sometimes I like one so much, but my skin doesn't, but it smells so good. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna spray it and go on in Jesus name. And what happens when something smell good, smells good and they walk by, they say, oh, what's that fragrance you're wearing? What is that, right? Who just walked in that smell good? That's the same reaction, y'all, that people should have when you enter a room, when you leave a room, when mm -hmm. you're in their circle, when they meet you, when you say hello. Some of them don't even have to know you personally, but they just know when I come around, they just make me feel good because we always and often speak about the opposite. So take that down, 2 Corinthians 2, 15 through 17. The other thing you said, bro, is you talked about gifts. That's what the whole has been. And of course, you know, I'm an educator. You are too. Many of you all have kids that have been in school, have been some form of education. And I remember in middle school, right? Teacher came to my mom. She's like, you know what? I just think your baby is gifted. Mom said, oh, okay, uh, you know, thank you. I guess, I mean, she works really hard. She knows I don't play about education. But see, here's the thing. Before we can actually label her as gifted, we got to test her. Y'all, y'all, hold on. I've heard that. In order to know and label her as gifted, we have to test her. Mm -hmm. We want God to pour out and explain and give those gifts, but we're not willing to do the work and endure the test that it takes to be open and ready and refined and reformed and propped up to be better to receive and give those gifts the way he's assigned for them to go there. So y'all don't miss that. Don't miss that. Sometimes we can't want the gift. We talked about last night. You can't have the gift without knowing the gift giver. But you also can't have the gift without the test that primes you and preps you to be ready for it. Mm. So, as confirmation to this message, bro, because this was a devotion for myself months ago. And I had to go back in my notes and pick it up. Most of y'all that know me know I played ball all my life. And so the result of that is multiple knee surgeries. I've had five. I'm good, y'all. Mm. Right? I've had five. Mm. And so on that, y'all hear me laugh and joke, but sometimes it has rained every day for the past two weeks. Y'all old folks know they call it dog days, okay? And when there's dog days, my knee is barking just like a dog and it swells up. So what's the first thing when you have an injury and something's wrong, what does that doctor tell you to do? They tell you to go home and prop up. For me, it's that knee. For you, it's to prop up the very thing that is needing to have swelling go down. So I went back to these notes, bro, because you know, this is the scientist in me. This is the Bible. Mm -hmm. 
And so I had to go to the, the medical term of this thing, not the way I wrote it, because in my devotion, that's what it said. And it says, and y'all listen to this and get this, all right? It says, when you're sitting or standing, oxygen depleted blood is working against gravity. Every single time that we stand weary of the things that the world brings, we are working against the weight of the world. But it says elevating, and I'm going to say this in my case, my knee, it allows that knee or that thing to be above your heart. See, a lot of times we're moving in our own minds, but we mm. need to keep those things above our heart, which means it's going to God, right? And so then the, this is the last one now. This is the last one that really shook me that day and even stirred up the gift, as you said, your gift is. It says, this means that gravity is now working in your favor. That means that test, right? All things, not some, all things work together for the good of that love him and I call according to his purpose. So it says that all of these things are working in my favor. And watch this. The last line, it says, this may help improve blood flow in the veins of me, my knee, but it may be in your health. It may be in your finances. We all need blood flow because we need the blood of Jesus does. And when it flows through your veins, oh, what a change will come. Not just the mm -hmm. gift, but every single thing. So I hope y'all take heart into all of those things that you heard because that it was not by circumstance happenstance that April of 2020, God laid it on my heart and my obedience said, we got to do this thing. And it's not by happenstance that on 7-19-2022 that you rendered this message of obedience and spiritual gifts. So I thank you, brother, always for your time, always for your gifts and your heart. And I thank every last one of y'all for listening tonight. You know, bro, you know what we have to do before we get out. Some of them don't know them. Like I know him. Y'all saw how I just had to stir up the gift there. I hope, you know, thankfully Hendricks had just woke up because it's not <laughs> woke up. Again. All right. But before we go, some of them may not know them. So bro, I need you to open up the doors really quickly to this spiritual doors of the church so that those that may not know him can have that opportunity to know him like we do. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. You don't, don't forget what we talked about tonight, that faith in the economy of God is necessary. He gave each of us a measure of faith. And we're saved by grace through faith. And so in order to come to him, you must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so God doesn't want you to be irritable, restless or discontent. God doesn't want you to be despondent. God wants to prop you up. He wants to pour into you and give you of his Holy Spirit, this comforter that would help you and guide you in this thing called life. And listen, it's really simple. You would simply say, Lord, come on into my heart. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that if I confess with my, uh, my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, that, that, that you were raised from the dead, that you died for my sins, then I too can be saved. And, you know, we live in a complicated world and we like to struggle with grace and the concept of grace because we live in a culture that doesn't have any room for grace. They say things like, don't do the crime if you can't do the time or he got or she got what they deserve. But God doesn't work that way. God says, listen, it's not my will that you live like this. And it's certainly not my will that you perish. And so if you're on the outside tonight, you can change that tonight. You don't have to uh, get, get to the church. You don't have to go down with the walking deacon. You don't have to go behind the stained glass window. You could go right where you are and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Prop me up. I, I want a gift. I want to go out and use my gift as an expression of my faith to bolster and support the faith of someone else. And I trust that if you say that tonight and you just say, Lord, come on in, you're going to find God coming in in a way that will cause other people to retreat and remove themselves from your life. Like you've got some type of a communicable disease. I promise you when I said, Lord, I want you to be first in my life. 
man, God did some cleaning up. He got some folks out of the picture. You hear me? I mean, they're so far out of the picture, I still ain't seen them. But God knows. And I want you to know he could do the same for you tonight. All you have to do is say, Lord, come on in. I'm a sinner and I want to be saved by your grace. And if you pray that prayer and believe it and mean it in your heart, there's nothing more that I could say or nothing more that Sister Chelsea can say. You would become new and you would become a child of God. And so pray tonight, Father, for those that are on the outside, that you would draw them by your power divine, that the glorious light of the gospel would shine in their heart. And when they hear your voice, they would hearken to it and say, Lord, here am I. Lord, touch us as you did Isaiah, that we might be consecrated to love, to run. Lord, give us the gift as you gave Paul and as you gave Timothy. And might we remember the words of Paul, that we would not neglect the gift that is in us, but that we would stir it up, that in some cases, there are young people that might be tuned in tonight. Again, I'm reminded Paul told Timothy, let no one neglect the days of your youth. God, don't let them know that they've got next. Let them know that they've got now. Anywhere we see somebody that's leaned over or despondent or irritable or restless or disenfranchised, help us to use our expression of faith to prop them up on every leaning side. God, give us great victory, we pray. Help us to live lives that are pleasing to you in Jesus' name. And every glad heart said, thank God and amen. Thank God and amen. My brother, my brother, I appreciate you so much. My goodness, appreciate I do. You. I do. Y'all, if there's anybody that needs to answer to that charge and that calling, your time is now. Uh, Chelsea Johnson, you're on Facebook, uh, at the Chelsea F on Twitter, Chief Friend John on Instagram. Email me. Do whatever you need to do, all right? If you're not on Twitter, I charge you. Come on over to Twitter and join us. We have a mighty good time. I'm gonna tell Come you on that. over here where the table is spread. Go, you heard them. Come on now. But we thank you all so much for listening. It is our hope that you have been <laughs> And stay tuned with us, man, because there is no family like a servant leader coaches Bible study family. So I love y'all, but doesn't anybody love you like Jesus. We thank y'all for listening. We're gonna see you guys next time.